0: sluts and scholars thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy want to hear more Follow us on Instagram at and scholars, on Twitter at scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com.
1: Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm
0: Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And this week, we welcome Mika Hollander, who is the co-founder and CEO at Sustain Natural, a leading brand of all-natural, vagina-friendly products. She's also the creator of Get On Top, a national campaign aimed at getting women to take control of their sexual health. Mika received her MBA from NYU's Stern Business uh, School, where she was the president of the Social Enterprise Association. Through Sustains 10% for Women initiative, she is proud to work closely with Planned Parenthood and Women's Voices for the Earth. Mika has been listed on Forbes 30 Under 30, awesome, uh, Fast Company's Most Creative People and Incorporated, and 30 Under 30. And her second book, Get on Top, was released in March 2018 by Touchstone. That's awesome welcome thank you. thank you so much for having me you guys oh we're so happy to have you so we first heard about sustain um because uh, simone and i are now part of a podcast collective called pleasure podcast which is a bunch of uh top amazing sex and relationship podcasts um so you can check us out at pleasurepodcast.com um but because of that um our friend cam who was on an episode with us um with sex talk with my mom. Um, I never went us. on a date with him
1: for those of you who are curious. Uh,
0: yes, they never went on a date, but we are still friends with Cam. Um, <laughs> they, um, they introduced us to Sustain and so we checked it out and we would love to hear from the creator though about what what is Sustain and and what inspired you to make it.
2: Sure. So, hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, Sustain Natural is a brand of all-natural uh, vagina-friendly essentials. So, what that means is most brands and most companies that make things like condoms and lubricants and tampons, everything that goes in on and around your vagina, tend to be made with ingredients that aren't so, quote-unquote, vagina-friendly um, they can contain things like synthetic fragrances, crayon, um, you yeah. know, glycerin, parabens, yeah. sort of crazy, all of these things that we've already started thinking about avoiding when it comes to things like skincare. Um, you can find a lot of those ingredients in vagina-related products. So Sustain is a brand that's changing all of that. Um, we're thinking with our vagina and your vagina and making products like condoms and tampons and... Um, now even period underwear with uh, your vagina in mine.
1: Yay. I love when my vagina is in mind. <laughs> and what are Dang. the downsides of some of those ingredients? Yeah. Like what's the big deal?
2: Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so your vagina, you know, your vaginal ecosystem, everybody sort of has their own, but most women's vaginas have a pH within a certain range, usually 4.5 to 5. And the issue, let's take something like lubricants, for example, is that a lot of lubricants, either the lubricant itself has a pH that's way out of that range, or it has ingredients that could cause and disrupt your vagina's pH. Um, and what happens when the pH of your vagina gets sort of, quote unquote, imbalanced is a lot of different things. Um, so for some women, what can happen is, you know, everybody has a balance of good and bad bacteria sort of like fluctuating, and cycling through their vagina. When something interrupts your vaginal ecosystem and it throws off the pH, an overgrowth of bad bacteria can occur. And I'm not sure if anybody listening has experienced something called bacterial vaginosis, but it's extremely common. And most of the time it's caused by using things like wipes or lubricants or even tampons that have synthetic fragrances that throw your vaginal pH out of whack. (laughs) Um, so yeah. Wait, Mika, why do things have this stuff in it though? You know, it's the same reason. Um, it's the same reason that. Does nobody care? Well, no people care, but you know, these ingredients are cheap. Um, they they've been in there forever. And, you know, I particularly think when you look at the industry and you look at who's generally making these products, um, it's, it's not always women. <laughs>
0: She said delicate. I mean, I remember getting a bacterial vaginosis infection just from taking like a bath um, and using certain bath bombs and things that were that messed up my pH. Um, but I feel like the um, people originating the sense with the tampons and things, I'm sure it just has to do with people not liking or not feeling comfortable with their natural smells. well,
2: I think Ugh. you know it, yes, yes. And also some this the crazy thing is actually, sometimes, you know, you have, an, a fishy odor or you have itching. And so it's not surprising that you would want to go and get some relief or you realize something's wrong. But the sad and challenging part for me and, and really one of the reasons I started Sustain is when you go to the shelf in the drugstore and you look for something that's going to help with odor, for example, sometimes the stuff there actually has ingredients that will perpetuate the problem.
1: So you got to keep buying it. Well, and you just, the problem just gets worse and worse. Yeah. That's horrible. No, that's, that's so horrible. So when did you have this realization that this was like a fucked up sitch and you were going to address it with your handy business degree? (laughs) My handy business degree. Um, I don't know how useful that's been,
2: but it's, it's helpful, I think. Um, basically, you know, I was a child of the natural products movement. My dad started a company called Seventh Generation, which is really the first brand of all natural Ah. cleaning and household um, and personal care products. So we've been in this space for over 30 years. And when I was in business school, what I thought was really interesting when I was just sort of reflecting on the space, I was always passionate about natural products. Was that it was really counterintuitive to me that women in particular were focusing on natural cleaning products and skincare and all that's great. Um, but when you and still
1: shoving, but
2: when you look at to me, the most important place where you should, you know, clean or green your routine is stuff going inside one of the most absorbed parts of your body, your vagina. Um, so I sort of noticed that there was this disconnect and I thought, holy shit. If you actually just ask women, do you have any idea what you're putting inside your vagina every month or every time you're having sex, most people say no. Um, And it was a really easy way to just connect the dots between, well, you're doing this in this area, so why don't you use the same thinking in this other area Um, and combining that with, you know, women's sexual and reproductive health, which I've always been sort of passionate about and engaged at from a distance. Um, I just sort of brought those two things together and that turned into sustain.
0: How did you make it a reality? Because I feel like there are so many wonderful ideas out there that people have, especially now in trying to make female and reproductive rights and reproductive justice and things like that better. Um, how did you turn it into this successful company to be on like Forbes 30 Under 30? Well, it was, you know, an overnight success that took five years.
2: Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, I think on, on the one hand, I was, had access to certain resources and certain, you know, ideas and experience through my dad. Um, and I'm not, you know, that's not something I'm yeah. pretending didn't happen. But on the other hand, this was really, you know, I think looking at it now and looking at Sustain and saying, holy shit, you're this awesome brand that's like, sex positive, vagina friendly, Um, how could you be more relevant right now? I don't know if we could, but this was not the case, you know, when we started working on this five years ago and when we launched four years ago. People were not and still aren't, but even more so comfortable talking about sex. I always like make this joke, but it's not really a joke that for the first year, I really felt like I was dealing drugs when we were just selling condoms. People treated me (laughs) as if I was selling something that should be illegal. And
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, on my college campus, you weren't allowed to buy condoms. Well,
2: that's exactly right. And that probably still hasn't changed, but I'm sure the women on that campus are sort of like, screw that. Like we're going to buy them anyways now. Um, you know? Yeah, we have love
1: volokes yeah, on our people, doors filled with condoms for people to women take. Women in
2: particular, you know, I think with the most recent, you know, presidential election and everything else that's been going on with the Me Too movement and Time's Up, we've found our voice and we're ready to use it and we're ready to demand not only, you know, equal uh, pay, but also like equal orgasms. And I think the world is a really (laughs) different place than it was when we started the business in in 2015 or 2014. Sorry. Um, So it wasn't easy. It was really, really hard. And I think some of the early recognition that I got in particular was because People were really confused. Why is there a young woman selling condoms? Like, that's crazy. And the media loved to write about that, which is great, um, but almost in this, like, shocking way.
0: But that's crazy that that's, like, surprising. That, like, oh, oh, a young woman selling condoms, like, it should be a middle-aged white man. I mean, or no one. I mean, people
2: are not comfortable still talking about sex, but I think it's changed so much. Um, And we've, What kind of
1: weird, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, keep going. No,
2: I mean, I, you know, when we first launched, I actually, the first experience I had with our story being public um, was actually, you know, we got our first piece of press. I have a really dark freckle on my lower lip, which is very obvious in my headshot. And um, there an article ran in a major news site saying, you know, Nika Hollander is starting a condom company, et cetera, et cetera. And the immediate reaction and all the comments were things like she should be using condoms, not selling them what's on her lower lip. So it's, it's, it's awesome to say now I'm being celebrated and the business is being celebrated in Forbes and Fast Company and all this awesome stuff, but it wasn't easy. And I personally took a lot of, you know, slut shaming and everything else. And a lot of doors were closed in my face and like, I don't know now this quote like nevertheless she persisted just came in my mind but like that's what it that's what it's been like like I've broken down not only because it's hard to be a woman running a business but like because it's hard to be a woman running a sex products company um and it's it's a lot but that's all that stuff is what motivates me further
1: it's fucking awesome. So you said the first thing was condoms. Can I? Why did? Why was condom? Why were condoms the first thing that you decided to work on? It seems to require like so much engineering. There was a lot of engineering.
2: I mean, we spent um, a year developing the supply chain and manufacturing process, or maybe a little over a year. Um, these are FDA Class two medical devices. They, everything has to be regulated, and it was a lot of work. But it was really important for really two reasons for us. Um, one, you know, which we've talked about was just there was no natural option in this category. And two, honestly, more importantly for me was we looked at the space. Um, you know, we looked at the entire sexual wellness space, but condoms really stood out because forty percent of condoms are purchased by women, which is some people find Mm -hmm. that surprising. I definitely did at the time. And I was like, holy shit, forty percent of condoms are purchased by women, and yet it's dominated by two brands who almost feels like couldn't care less what women think, have to say, need from a product innovation standpoint. Um, there's nothing really vagina friendly to me about like the traditional condom aisle at a drugstore.
1: Yeah, it even says ribbed for her pleasure, assuming that the person reading the box isn't buying it, it isn't the person with the vagina. Like, it doesn't say ribbed for your pleasure. It says ribbed for her pleasure. Exactly.
2: It's an (laughs) egocentric, male-driven, frat boy-oriented category that has only (laughs) innovated over the last decade or so based on how can I basically make it feel less like he's wearing a condom? What about me? What about the dyes and the fragrances that cause irritation? I heard like a horror story years ago about like, one brand launching a glow-in-the-dark condom once and like all these women ended up in the emergency room
0: like i don't know what's. was that one condoms or did was it a different company it was a different company um okay because i remember we had glow-in-the-dark ones in in my undergrad um and i i think they did well but i remember we didn't are the two main ones trojan and direct those are the two main brands yeah those are the two brands. Yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even sell the Trojan ones, I remember, because they said that, I don't know if this is true for current Trojan ones, but in a lot of them, they included like trace amounts of spermicide. Yeah. And so for people with vulvas, the spermicide would give like small micro cuts, micro abrasions, making it like having it be irritating and then more likely to pass on sexually transmitted infections. Right. Wow. I mean,
2: there's... You know, as I said, there's really not much that's vagina friendly or was vagina friendly about that category. And so, you know, with 40% of condoms being purchased by women, with only 21% of single sexually active women using condoms, by the way, STDs are on the rise. That's a, you know, that's a problem. There seemed like a huge yeah. opportunity to really create not only the first natural and most sustainable condom in the world, but also a brand that was focused on her, was focused on me, was focused on you guys, like a vagina friendly condom brand, not just in ingredients, but also in marketing. And by the way, like women have sex and that's something we should be celebrating, not spending an average of seven seconds in front of the shelf, trying to like shove in our bag and not show anyone that we're sexually active.
1: Wait, people only spend like seven seconds in the condom aisle? The
2: average person spends seven seconds in the condom <gasps> aisle.
1: God, I'm such an avid reader. I'm there for like minutes. Well, you're <laughs> Well, I'm wondering too if
0: people take less... I'm wondering <laughs> if people take more time now because a lot of stores I've seen, they have started locking up the condom section. So
2: that's a theft what? issue. I... Initially I yeah. had the same reaction where I was like, this is so effed up. Like, why are they making it harder? Which is still true because like don't make it any harder for anybody to buy condoms. People are uncomfortable to begin with.
0: Um but Yeah, because now you have to go find someone and be like, Hey, can you, you open to, like, the condoms for me? You're and and if you don't feel comfortable do. buying them, would you just not buy them and to, leave like, the store?
2: The, yeah. They like hit the button. Get the siren going off in the store. It's like, you know, so-and-so in aisle three, like is looking for ribbed. I mean, it's not, it's nothing to be ashamed it of. And feels- it's awesome for people who aren't, but I think, you know, it, it's yeah. it's just all under this. Everything in this space has been created under this, in my opinion, assumption that like women shouldn't be having sex. They should be embarrassed. They should be only having sex. With one person, yeah. why do they even need condoms? You know, I think I think there's a lot to unpack with like the sexual repression of our society. And I think sustain really has done, in my opinion, like an awesome job at starting to change the narrative around women who buy and carry condoms.
1: Yeah, how do you feel like you've done that? You've affected that change? <sighs> so many different
2: touch points. I think, you know, one area where I've noticed a really huge change has been just in our conversations with our customers. Um I'm every day, every month, every year increasingly surprised by how open women are asking questions, you know, celebrating that they're buying our product, posting about it on social media. Things are just always, in my opinion, that's where it starts first, like with our customers. Um, and then you know, it goes beyond that. We did a shoot um, just last week in L.A. for a new product we're launching. And even, there, you know, it was a female director, a female creative um, person putting it together. And there was still this assumption that we were going to ask women about their vaginas and about having sex and that women were going to be squeamish. And I said, you know what, I bet that's not going to be the case. I just feel like things have changed. I, I don't know. I'm not taking sustain's not taking the credit for all that i think we're a small piece of a much bigger puzzle but i said i bet you women are going to be more comfortable and they're going to share and i bet you we're going to see this sort of like vagina pride um that we may not have seen like three or four years ago and that's exactly what happened and it was it was amazing i mean it was like emotional for me to just watch women who we had just come back for like you know Castings that we've done, we didn't tell them what it was about to just sit there and be so open and be so comfortable. It's not what we experienced mm-hmm. four years ago.
0: How do you think you were able to get through some of those like barriers that people were putting up in the stigmas because of the, the topic of your company?
2: You know, it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. It's, you know, getting even things like, you know, it was so hard to get funding, but we got it. So that's like step one. Getting in the media, getting the brand out there. And then over time, as we became a real business, people started taking us seriously. And as our customer base grew and as our awareness grew, you know, for me, the more women that see other women celebrating sex positivity and sexuality, the more women sort of start changing their behavior and shifting towards that. Um, but I think the bigger movement of the previous election and the women's movement and all the different women's movements that have come out of that have done more work than I could have ever, and we could have ever done ourselves, 100%. I mean, I always say like three or four years ago, if even we were just talking about on a podcast, maybe you guys are you know, more forward thinking, it seems like than some other people, but like, it's like, (laughs) I had to be like, all right, women have sex, women enjoy sex. You should have safe sex. What's in your condom? You should buy sustain. And it's almost like the first two or three points there like have been ripped wide open. Like female sexuality, women's reproductive rights and health are now national conversations in a way that they were just not a couple years ago. And so I get to be, and sustain gets to be a partner in you know, either your journey around rethinking your sexuality or celebrating it. Um, and a and a brand that you can feel comfortable and excited to buy um, versus having to also do that upfront education and sort of like consumer behavior shift, which is really hard for one mm-hmm. business to do on its own. Um, I think it's great when it happens, but I can't, you know, I can't underplay enough how incredibly impactful this larger movement has been for us.
1: I think what's some... I'm curious about your choice of um, like marketing and design, like calling yourself a vagina-friendly company, like so vocally and obviously. I think back a lot um, about when that... Um, representative in the Michigan house was like barred from speaking on the floor because she said the word vagina. Um, And so I always love when people use the word vagina publicly. Um, And obviously, you know, we don't just have sex with our vagina. We have sex with our whole like vulva and clitoris and whatever. But I love, I'm just curious about your choice to say vagina friendly. This is what we are as opposed to being maybe more irreverent, like, you know, pussy power or something like that. Well, You know, it's a really interesting question. I mean, one
2: reason we also went with vagina was because it's like gender neutral, which I guess pussy is as well. Um, But we actually have this conversation a lot. And and I think it's great that everybody has a different name um, for their vagina that they are excited about calling it. But for me, it's just like one thing is always to just be real and be straightforward. It's your vagina. That's what it is embrace it as a word and we're going to be using the word and not using slang. And I think slang can be empowering, um, but it can also be used by mothers talking to their daughters to mask the word and make them feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I have Mm -hmm. sort of mixed feelings on like vagina slang. um, And when it came to just like, what is the brand standing for and how are we going to talk about it? We were going to use the word vagina.
0: Love it. Thank you. I passed. That's awesome. I mean, we <laughs> talked like, about no, it in past episodes, but like the importance for no yeah, but not the importance at all. for young sex education for for kids is what we've talked about a lot on the podcast. In, you know, if you're not calling it by the name that it is, it's already teaching like a young age shame cycle that like this isn't even something that you can name because it's so bad to talk yep. about.
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, we talk a lot about using the right words here. Um, I, I just was, um, we were talking about, I was talking with someone about the episode with Dr. Lori Mintz becoming clitorate, where yeah. she talks about just like using all the right words. And when you don't talk about clitoris or vulva or vagina or anything, when you depending on the words you use, you're like erasing kind of the existence of yep. something, which is an interesting thing to think about.
0: I think even as we're talking about like advertising and things for for the Pleasure Podcast Collective or just for Sluts and Scholars individually, it really is hard to find people who are not already in the sex or sex work industry um, to support the cause because a lot of those companies seem like they don't want to be associated with something that talks about sex or vaginas.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting, like, we were talking to somebody at Facebook. We have a lot of issues with like our ads on Facebook um, just because they have really strict policies. And like, there's a lot of words that we use that are trigger words to their systems and the ads don't go through. Um, And so one of their, Oh my God. I mean, that's a whole other, we can do a whole separate podcast around that. It's totally.
1: Oh yeah. We just straight up can't advertise with our name.
2: Well, that's I'm not surprised, but They're just like, we, you know, we've been told multiple times by their ad policy team when talking about condoms, when talking about lubricants, make it focus on pleasant. I don't even know what that means. Um, not pleasure, pleasant, not pleasure. Um, (laughs) and it's been told to me. And when it was told to me initially, I mean, I just like started laughing. I was like, why is some dude who is not you know like it's just like i don't know if he was even uncomfortable like i, I you know i've been pleasantly surprised <laughs> um by like some people at facebook who have been working really closely with us and really advocating for what we're doing and totally get it but i think ultimately you know whether it's advertising platforms or other large corporations or whatever it is that's sort of the mantra of how we talk about sex it needs to be talked about it needs to either be health focused and it needs to become it needs to come across as like inoffensive and i think talking about orgasms and products that help you have orgasms generally offends people or that's what some people think um and i think that's changing but it's it's amazing to see sort of these like the establishment, you know, how they're trying to wrestle with this. Like, oh, we know that we should be advertising condoms, but it needs to be under a guise of, like, sex isn't pleasurable. (laughs) It's
1: Yeah, I mean, what the
0: fuck does that even mean? Pleasant? I mean,
1: I'm having, like, an apoplectic fit over here because I'm feeling about That like pleasant, not pleasurable is literally what we've been telling like women and people with vaginas is like how they should experience sex. Like you should be pleasant and be happy and lie there and do and just like have your partner enjoy themselves who has a penis and just assuming that. And so the fact that it's translating even to such like a feminist like or a a potentially feminist liberal platform for like advertising is just like so indicative of how this like sex negativity has permeated like everything we do.
0: Yeah, or that sex should like we should strive for it to be pleasant. It's like it's not going to be pleasurable, but at least you can tolerate it. Like it's pleasant. That's so fucked up. Like, I really don't think you should be having pleasant sex. I think if you're going to be having
1: sex, you should be having pleasurable sex. If you're having, if you want to do something pleasant, go for a fucking well, maybe.
2: Yeah. And I think some, yeah, it's like sometimes (laughs) sex is not pleasurable. And if it's not, let's talk about that and let's figure out why. And, you know, I think. It's all balanced, yes. but I, this general idea oh. that we can't talk about female pleasure because get me, yeah. like, don't get me wrong. Talking about male pleasure is fine by probably, maybe not Facebook by a lot of other standards, but female pleasure is different. Female pleasure is off limits. Right. Um, and that's why we have, mm-hmm. you know, the orgasm gap. That's why we have women faking orgasms left and right. Like, it's no <laughs> wonder that that's happening.
0: Yeah. Moving, oh. moving on a little bit, because you don't just make condoms, you make a bunch of other stuff. And so I would love to hear about the tampons and the period underwear. Well, let's do
2: it. Um, yeah, so tampons, I'm, I'm really passionate about tampons. Obviously, you can tell I'm passionate about condoms as well. But um, I discovered organic cotton tampons over 15 years ago. I think I only ever used them um and so i was sort of under this assumption as like a teenager that all women were using organic cotton i knew why to use organic cotton which we can talk about but it is so important i actually think if you're looking and hearing and listening to us and you're thinking oh my god what am i putting inside my vagina start with your tampons if you're using tampons and change them out immediately um most tampons contain a mix of Synthetic ingredients, synthetic fragrances, rayon, um, things that just in my opinion, you know, there have not been conclusive studies about how those impact your body over time. So in my opinion, why mm-hmm. why bother putting them inside of you? Um, Sustained tampons are 100% organic cotton. That means no pesticides in the cotton. So even if you go into the drugstore and you see it 100% cotton, while well, that may sound quote unquote healthy... And natural. um, The reality is cotton is actually one of the dirtiest crops. Um, It's treated with a pesticide usually called glyphosate. And again, without really conclusive research on if glyphosate, even if instant trace amounts should be going inside your vagina every month, in my opinion, better safe than sorry. Use 100% organic cotton, no pesticides. Um, And so that's why we launched organic cotton tampons Um, because I see them as essential. We also have other period products. As you mentioned, we have also 100% organic pads and liners. Um, we recently launched a pair of organic cotton period proof underwear, um, which you can use in your lighter days. It holds up to about a tampon's worth of blood. Um, I love them as like a backup while I'm sleeping at the end of my period. Um, I don't know if you guys have tried them, but they're awesome. And then when's this airing? Because then I can talk
0: about our new period product. (laughs) Oh, well, before we get to your new period products, I have a question about the the cotton. Um, So, I mean, I guess it's important to note that, like, research hasn't been done. Like, I, for one, am not willing to take the risk in not knowing, but I think it's important to, like, highlight that there hasn't been research. And, like, why hasn't there been research on, like, how these additives can be problematic?
2: Well, so there's some research, but
0: there's not really
2: what we would call conclusive research. So, you know, the the troubling thing for me is with the issue of glyphosate and cotton is that when you look at sort of the research that's been done and look at the conclusions, um, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, have differing opinions on what you know, quote, unquote, safe, or what should or should be going inside your vagina. And that, to me, is not good enough. Um, you know, if, if the EPA and the FDA are at odds in something as sensitive as um, a tampon, which is going inside your vagina, we need to do more research. And for me, it's also just use products that don't have that ingredient in the meantime, if that makes sense
0: yeah and how do we make tampons just more positive in general? like I when I think of tampons, I think of me in high school like discreetly putting it in my sleeve on the way to the bathroom, so like nobody would know.
2: yeah. I mean, I think yeah. I do think there has been a lot of like period positivity that's happened over the last few years. I think there have been really cool brands um in the space, even that came before us. Um, seventh generation, which I mentioned my family's business launched actually organic cotton tampons 15 years ago. I think there's been a lot of progress made on sort of getting rid of this period shame. I think there's still more work to do, but more brands, more natural options, more options. I think that's another really important point is like tampons aren't for everyone. Pads aren't for everyone. Period underwear isn't for everyone. Um, and so something that I cups are yeah. for everyone. Something that I love about Sustain, um, and especially with this addition of our new period product, which is launching in December, is that we we have a lot of options because um, it's not, you know, one period. There's no period that's the same. And so I think options is really important. I think at a young age, um, especially in the past, you know, your mom handed you something and you use that forever. <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of what we're trying to address is not only do we think our products are healthier, but we also understand that, you know, I, I like organic cotton tampons. Like for me, like I can use the cup, but like, sometimes I just want to use tampons and that's okay. But some people are like, I want to go zero waste and use the menstrual cup. And you know what? That's great too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a little cup slut. I love my cup. I love that. Um, Well, we have to send you something because we are launching.
2: There are, you know, some other new period companies. I think what Sustain is really excited about being is the brand that has basically every option. Um, So everything from organic cotton tampons to now um, our period cup, which is similar to a menstrual cup. And it's really exciting. We um, have been working on this for almost a year. We wanted to find and make something that addressed a lot of issues that some people have with some of the brands out there. And it's kind of ooh, like what it's it's really soft and flexible. Um, We heard from a lot of customers that they've tried cups that were a little stiff, um, which they found to be uncomfortable. It has a really long stem so you can trim it if you want to, but Mm -hmm. if you don't want to, I don't like, I like to like have it as long as possible so I can like always locate it or know that it's there. Um, even though they <laughs> don't fall out, don't worry. Um, so, they really no, I mean, don't. Sometimes yeah, you got to pull out long stem
1: for the anxious folks like me. But sometimes you got to really bear down and twist well, so to get our, it out.
2: Yeah. So that's like the why we're into the long stem. But I think it's also really interesting. Like, I feel like it's, a, it's funny because, like, we're a sustainable vagina company, but yet it took us a year after we launched tampons to launch a cup. But, um, I, we really wanted to do it right. And, and I feel like also, I know cups have been around for a really long time and that's great. And women, some women love them, some women don't like them as much. But generally, like, I feel like we're ready for like more mass cup use. <laughs> and I say that because a yeah, big part are. of using a cup is being really comfortable with your vagina and being comfortable with your period. And I think we are so much more there than we've ever been. And so it feels like this really mm-hmm. awesome time for sustain to launch the cup. As I mentioned, we did this project with um, 12 women who we interviewed about their relationship with their vaginas. And I was just overwhelmed and almost emotional by how comfortable they were talking about their vagina and giving birth and periods and all of this stuff. And it's like, then we handed them the cup and we were like, what is this? And like most people knew and the ones who didn't were like, this looks fucking cool. Like this looks soft. Like I want to try this. Like, I, you know, I haven't been in the cup business for that long, but I imagine just based on the attitudes about vaginas and periods four or five years ago, this mass adoption to the menstrual cup would have been, um, a little bit harder.
0: Going back to the tampons for a second, is there, um, do they have applicators on them? The natural cotton ones? Yeah. So the organic cotton tampons have a
2: bioplastic applicator. So it's made with 90% plant-based material. Um, But there is an applicator. I mean, I like an applicator.
0: Because I feel like I got a bad taste in my mouth or I guess bad taste in my vagina um, when I first tried like a cotton non-applicator. I'm thinking of like OB tampons because I think when I first got my period, we probably hadn't had a lot of Sex ed in school. And so I didn't know quite where to put it. And I remember my mom trying to explain to me like where it goes and not having an applicator made it feel so difficult. So I understand what you're saying about the cups too, that sometimes to use this um, just starts a bigger conversation of like getting to know your body and where things Mm -hmm. are and how it works. Otherwise, you're like, where the fuck do I put this? Where does it go?
2: Yeah. And it's like, no judgment. It's like, I mean, listen, I'm green and eco. And I like be as sustainable as you humanly possibly can be. But like, I still use a bioplastic applicator tampon. And that's just what I like. Um, And I think that's fine. I think everybody can make different choices and make an experience. And I don't know if I'm going to only use this type of tampon forever. But um, I think it's all about options and choice and letting people decide what they want to use and not shaming people for not using certain things. Um, and so that's what we're all about,
1: and also kind of destigmatizing the conversation. Like I think you brought up something really interesting when you were like, your mom gives you something and that's what you use forever. As a and like, sure, like millennials were known to have like less and less brand loyalty, right? But it also because we're way we're like the ability to do research on things is so much more accessible for us, and but we're also so loath to like even think of like well, what kind of, how would I even research a tampon? Like what's CNET for tampons, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. how, how, how how do I find this stuff out? And so I really do think that like destigmatizing this conversation around like menstrual, like h- how are you going to support yourself when you're menstruating? Like what are you going to do? And just kind of reframing it, that conversation as opposed to like, how are you going to hide that you have your period? Totally.
2: And I really, and I think we're honestly, we're there. Um, I think a lot of women are there. I think my experience has been interesting, even, even just with my friends over the last five years since starting sustain, like some of my closest friends initially were not that comfortable talking to me about this stuff. Like, and it was challenging for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's amazing. It's like over the last few years, that's changed. Everybody's calling me. People are texting me. People are talking to me. Everybody wants answers. People aren't scared of the conversation anymore. They just want information and education and they want it. They love that they have options.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations on launching this new, this new item. We would love to check it out. um, And we would love for our listeners to check it out too. Um, But I feel like just adding to something you said, I feel like in having these conversations, it's so important to include uh, a component of like outreach and social justice, um, and it seems like your company is really doing that. Can you talk a little bit about the 10% for women?
2: Totally. Um, something that I'm really passionate about is this idea of activist brands. Um, and and being an activist brand, in my opinion, means admitting to yourself that, you know, it's not... yes. The biggest impact or one of the biggest impacts we can have of as a brand is getting more and more and more people to use our products because we really do believe that they're healthier. Um, but in addition to that, you know we have to change like systems and policies and help women, low-income women who don't have access to reproductive health care get that access. And while I wish I could sit here and tell you we can do that all on our own, that's just impossible. Um, so part of what we do is through 10% for Women, um, where we actually give 10% of profits to organizations like Planned Parenthood. But something that I'm even honestly more passionate about is, you know, we do show up in DC and lobby for the tampon industry to, for the FDA to require the tampon industry to disclose their ingredients. Currently the tampon and condom industry are not required to put their ingredients on their box or on their website. I mean, to me, that's really yeah. wow. And, and so showing up and speaking out and really understanding that that sustain can have a great impact, you know, it can have an even bigger impact. Every single tampon company having to list their ingredients, because then women will start asking questions. We read labels. Um, And so that work is what, you know, I sort of like love and live for. Um, I love growing and building Mm -hmm. the business. But to me, it goes hand in hand with literally showing up um, and demanding change
1: on a much larger scale. I'm really curious. Do you also lobby about the tampon tax? Yeah, we've
2: done some work on the tampon tax. The tampon tax is actually having great success in terms of state by state. Things are actually changing, which is awesome to
1: watch. Sorry, for the for our listeners who might not know what we're talking about. So the tampon tax is, um, it's referred to, it's called the tampon tax, but it's basically all menstrual products are not tax exempt. They're subject to value um, tax, taxation, like like luxury goods, as opposed to necessities like food. Um, and so a lot of people are frustrated that like we're still paying tax on these items that are actually, that, uh, where other items are completely exempt.
0: Sorry. Carry yeah, on. Especially for folks who can't afford items it. Items like yeah. um, I mean, Rogaine.
2: Viagra, men's razors. Sometimes these are state by state issues, so it's not one. You know, there's not one tax Mm -hmm. that's just mandated everywhere, but state by state, um, a lot of states, most states, um, still have a tax on tampons, which is, you know, obviously crazy. So, so we've worked with organizations like Period Equity. Um, There's a few others. To just fight the tampon tax. And what we're seeing, which is great, is there's been a lot of focus on this issue. Um, And state by state, things are changing. Just last year, they got rid of it in New York. Um, I think they just got rid of it in Nevada a few weeks ago. So
1: we got rid of it in California and then the governor vetoed it because California is dependent on the $20 million that it gets from making women pay. People with vaginas pay taxes on their tampons. So there you have that,
0: California. I didn't know that.
1: Oh yeah, it made it to all the way to the governor and he vetoed it. Wow. Like I think like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry, I get well, really bad about that. It's
2: frustrating <laughs> and I think it's... It's good to get frustrated, but it's also what I, going back to sort of what we were talking about, you know, we need to show up and we need to stand up for this stuff and fight on and with other organizations who are really doing the legwork
1: well thank you so much for your time and all of the amazing work that we're do that you're doing. Um it's been such a joy speaking to you and I, I can't wait to try your products as someone who's been using like the same cup for like 5 years. Oh, awesome. <laughs> like the exact it's same time cup. It's time to change your cup. <laughs> well, I fin- okay. Okay, I finally <laughs> got a replacement for my Diva like I don't know, like a few months ago or maybe a year ago. Was this it when was we like- went to that concert? Maybe. And I bought a diva? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Ooh, what concert Maybe. Yeah, did you go to where you got and a not
0: cup? What was this? Um, I think we were going to um, a concert in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I totally forgot, but it was like— Arroyo Seco? Arroyo Seco, yeah. And I think we needed like a new cup. And you were like, is it time to get a new one? <laughs> yeah, I think
1: I would forgotten my diva cup at home. And I, I got my period. And I was like— do I want to buy tampons? And I was like, I really don't. And I was like, I guess I could buy a new cup. Yeah, my roommate. Yeah, my roommate also used a cup, and like, mine was just like very, very, very discolored. I don't Time know why. Time to <laughs> switch <celebrities>. it out. <laughs> I did. I switched it out, but I'm willing. I, I can be cup flexible. I'll try something else. I tried the soft cup when I went to Burning Man, and that was a horrible experience. But that's just well, me.
2: We can't wait to send you a cup, and then you can tell everybody how much you love ah. it.
1: Um, But yeah, thank you guys. But so how can people find all of the rad stuff that you're doing? Where are you on all the social meds, you personally and your rad ass company? So you can find us at sustainnatural.com or at sustain
2: on all social channels at Miss Meeks, M-E-I-K-S. That's my handle. And um, again, sustainnatural.com for all of our sex and period products and now menstrual cups.
0: Amazing. Listeners, if you want to hear about what we are doing, you can always find us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. You can email us at Sluts and Scholars at Gmail. And we are now part of an awesome collective called the Pleasure Podcasts. So if you want to see who else is with us, we've got Sex Out Loud with Tristan Termino, uh, Sex Talk with My Mom, American Sex with Sunny Megatron, um, Holly Randall Unfiltered. You can go to PleasurePodcasts.com. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week.